Uh, Back to the Future. Uh, it's a 1985 American science fiction film directed by Robert Zemeckis, written by Zemeckis and Bob Gale. It stars Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Lee Thompson, Crispin Glover, and Thomas F. Wilson. Uh, it was conceived of in 1980 by Gale and Zemeckis. They were desperate for a successful film after numerous collaborative failures. Their idea was rejected over 40 times by studios because it was not considered raunchy enough to compete with successful comedies of the era. Uh, first choice to play Marty was Eric, was, was Michael J. Fox, but then they got Eric Stoltz because Fox wasn't available. Then they fired Stoltz during filming, got Michael J. Fox back. Uh, the film was a critical and commercial success, earning $381.1 million to become the highest grossing film of 1985 worldwide. In 2007, the United States Library of Cong- Congress selected the film for preservation in the National Film Registry. The film was followed by two sequels, Back to the Future Part 2 and the imaginatively titled Back to the Future Part 3. Ah, Brad, Brad, mm. was this film any good? I think this film is top tier, mate. Easily, it is a classic 80, 80s film that every generation should enjoy from start to finish. Almost, almost a perfect film, delightfully acted, wonderfully directed. I think the script is amazing. Just, and there's a fucking DeLorean in it. You can't beat a DeLorean. Well, why is it not perfect for you? Um, the incest side of it. <laughs> not enough? Well, hey. <laughs> I think there's just the one scene, like the whole, the. I like the plot point that the mother's, um, into Marty, I I think that's hilarious and played well. But there's just that real awkward scene in the car later in the movie, just before he punches out Biff or whatever, or his dad punches out Biff. I can't remember what the line is, but it just yeah, there it's it almost goes too far, you know. It's just a little where she really jumps on him and and is and is ready to hook into it in the car. I was like, oh, it may have crossed the line. And uh, even my kids, when we watch it now, you know, it's one of my my daughter's favourite films, Back to the Future, easily, right? She's 11. But even that scene, you can see it just go, oh, that's a bit messed up. (laughs) Well, I think he should have gone for it. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) She was pretty hot. And no one was looking. It's your mom, (laughs) dude. Totally. Not really, not yet. Well, count. you're out of the time, para- time paradoxes. But yes, brilliant film. And I think, uh, you know, the start of, well, it may have finished poorly, but the start of one of the, the best trilogies of all time. A good, good triple threat, you know, Back to the Future 2, classic as well. Back to the Future 3, not as good as the other two, but rounds out the story well enough. To me, 
it was refreshing to watch a well-made film that the plot made sense and everything tied up. It, it all just works. And there's so many films mm. today, you got no idea what's going on. There's about four million different plot lines. None of them go anywhere or get resolved. The point is not the point, and they're inconsistent. And this film, this is just, it all works. It's great. Mm. It has it has a good, like uh, you know, people talk about the Spielberg Amblin uh, vibe. You know, like it's it's sort of it's a kids' film has adult-ish themes but it just feels fun from start to finish it's not political there's no baggage with it it's just come in sit down eat your popcorn go for the ride you know get taken along with the ups and downs the thrills with marty and then safely brings you back down to earth for the finish yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, Zemeckis was taken under the wing by Spielberg. You can see the way he shoots a film is fairly similar to Spielberg. Mm. There's the long mm. the oneers, where um, there's a glorious shot at the beginning where it's just the cameras panning across the clocks. And then to mm. the dog food thing and stuff, and then goes down, and then Marty comes in. You just see his shoes, and then you come over. You see the uranium. It's all in one shot. Yeah, yeah. It just looks nice. It looked classy. It looked well thought out. It looked like it was planned. It just—it's a well-made film in every aspect of the film. It's just well, like that's that it. I mean, shot. It doesn't. Um, you know, what is it? Uh, and they say a lot about the Star Wars films. You know, you should show it, don't tell it, right? And in that pre-credit sequence, it shows all the clocks and the dog and the uranium. Sets up so much. Yeah, the, the mad inventor doing these inventions, making the dog That's food. Right. It doesn't quite right work right. And here's uranium. And, and the speaker blows up when he plugs That's the right. Guitar. And it's, it sets the whole thing about, you know, it's time and yeah. Marty being late, you know, and all the stuff before yeah. you even see Michael J. Fox's face, really, you've got the the gist of the thing, you know, and then you're into it. And it it sets up the skateboard, the guitar. He drives past the diner, which is the aerobic studio, mm-hmm. and the mere Goldie van, and then there's the clock tower. It's just like this is the entire movie in the opening. We're yeah. going to go to all these places. It's we've thought the script through and we've designed it and it's all going to work. Trust us. You know? It's a fairly compact uh, location as well. You know, you think about the whole film, how many different places they go. There's not many, you know, there's the yeah. front of the clock tower, the town, all the buildings in, you know, in that village square or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And then, the twin pines like where he lives and where they do the um the time travel for the first time that's kind of it it's pretty compact you know i mean it's not quite reservoir dogs and all we're in is a bloody warehouse but it's it's still very succinct and on point yeah i was going to make the same point um the clock tower is if you go on the universal studios tour you can they stop and, you, and i sat on the grass 
outside the uh, the clock tower, and it's that's the same town square as in Gremlins and probably a million yeah. movies if you look <laughs> it for is. it. Yeah. And every few months they change the store faces so you don't quite recognize it and stuff. Also mm. notice in the beginning of the film how dilapidated the town was when uh, when he first goes through, like mm-hmm. the awnings on the shops are all ripped and torn and things aren't that prosperous. And things are a little bit better at the end. Things are a bit nicer, I think. Um, like I say, it's it's shot on the lot at Universal, then would have been on sound stages, and then maybe they took a shot of a field <laughs> for yeah, yeah, Lions yeah. Estate at some point. But you compare it to films these days where people are jumping out of exploding planes and then crashing into a tank in midair, and then ninjas with shotguns are coming after them mm-hmm. while they're still falling so much stuff and noise and this is yeah like i say it's small and compact and just simple and streamlined and it works and it's super entertaining and mm. yeah it's not and the it, jokes aren't stupid over the top jokes they're all no. part of the film they're organic you know and come from yeah. the characters well made yeah and uh you know characters which have now become stereotypes you know that's how brilliantly done they were the skateboarding team and the crazy white-haired lab coat scientist yeah you know, the albert einstein archetype now mm. Mm. but the film look absolutely made a star of michael j fox right like he was in family ties tv yeah. star and then just smashed it with back to the future and i heard uh, you were talking about Eric Stoltz. They started the film with him, did whatever it was, three or six weeks of shooting. And then it wasn't working out. It wasn't having the right tone. So they were like, oh, look, we initially wanted Michael J. Fox, but he was filming Family Ties. So they were able to negotiate. They could get him on the film as long as he could still shoot Family Ties during the day or something like that. So he'd do his days yeah. on the TV set. And then his nights he was doing Back to the Future and then next day going back to work. So this kid was working his ass off to make it. But I think he makes the film. Like he's the charismatic, you know, without him, it's, you know, the chemistry is not there. I thought the old age makeup was actually pretty good. I you tend to hate old age makeup. It always looks terrible. But in this film, it doesn't really bother me. Um, you know, they make the characters a little jelly and stuff, but actually not too bad, not 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 disgustingly taking you out of the movie. Yeah. yeah. If they'd done it CGI now, you'd be going, oh, it looks weird. Rubbery. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, like, so obviously this is a, a film from the mid-'80s. So my first... Uh, contact with it would have been a vhs man or maybe taped off the television (laughs) i saw some old tape you did loved it you you remember the experience yeah yeah completely blown away this is amazing that was probably almost as good as star wars (laughs) <laughs> no, i came out of it thinking this is a great movie this is yeah yeah i just know is this is incredible it's one you watch that again anybody who watches it i think will at least you know 
decent decent people watch it enjoy it and like it you know you might not love it and it might not be one of your favorites but it is a you know you can't watch it and not enjoy it for what it is mm. like the like uh, the 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 classic scene that sticks in my mind from first viewing and is the one that you know my kids wait for and even I wait for when we watch it is the uh you know the big finale the prom where um you know he's gone through all the 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 challenges to get his parents together and his ups and downs and then he finally does it right his old man comes and punches out biff and then um you know takes lorraine into the thing and they've got a dance and uh the guitar player's cut his hand or something eh? trying to get him out trying to get a bandmate out of the boot and so he can't play guitar so he can't play the last song so his parents can't kiss so marty yeah. gets up there and he plays the guitar right and he plays uh earth angel right yeah just these songs catchy good. they yeah. dance yeah that's it and then Oh, he's that's right. He's fading away, right? Because he's playing the song and his dad gets cut in on. And so he's looking at his hand and it's fading away. And now that shot, it always sticks in your mind. It's probably one of the most memorable shots in the movie. He's looking at the picture and his brother and sister are fading away and he's fading away. And then his hand comes up and he's fading away in reality. Mm. And then his dad comes back in and has the kiss and oh, he's back. That whole scene is just like, Perfectly shot, perfectly tense, the perfect payoff where you're like, oh yeah, everybody celebrates. And then he plays his the Chuck Berry, right? The Johnny Be Good. Marvin, it's your cousin, Marvin Berry, or whatever, you know. Yeah. And it's just it it takes that the joy of the celebration of the hero achieving his goal and then just escalates it more so you're like celebrating with his oh he's playing the guitar and he's winning yeah and then it's that comedic payoff of he's playing those guitar solos too early and nobody gets it you know like i think it's a brilliant scene brilliant by only a year or two though (laughs) yeah Yeah, it would have been a little bit wild if he started playing megadeth you know (laughs) Well, no, he does playing... some tapping. He he does some pretty shreddy solos, yeah. and that's the whole thing. One thing that struck me about it, though, is a common theme with Robert Zemeckis. If you look at Forrest Gump, um, Forrest Gump invents jogging. Forrest Gump teaches Elvis how to dance. Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. you know, all these sort of things. And here, Marty, Marty invents the skateboard by ripping off that thing and mm-hmm. uh, the top half of the skateboarding. I just use this bit. Marty invents rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just an interesting aside. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, you know, we talk about Michael J. Fox being iconic. The other one obviously is uh, Doc Brown, um, Christopher Lloyd, you know, yeah smashing it i think he also makes the film just over over the top but not too over the top you know he's not hamming it up too much they got a perfect little chemistry going on there like a really great Mm. little comedy duo playing off each other um hmm. great performance it's one of those actors you wish had 
become a little more prominent. It's like he, he got stereotyped being the wacky guy from Taxi and Back to the Future. He was so good in Wrath of Khan. Uh, was he Wrath of Khan? He was the, which one was he or the Klingon? He was in the second Star Trek, wasn't it? Shit, I don't know, man. I didn't even know he was in Star Wars. I mean, Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. He was the Klingon commander and. Mm, oh, search for Spock, maybe. He's one of the one of the best villains. Um, mm. great performance. And then it's kind of like you never see him again until he pops up in a piranha four or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's a little sad. Maybe he's one of well, those actors in... that just disappeared to stage. Yeah, well, look, he's definitely uh you know, does his characters like he's in Adam's family, he's uh Fester. Is in you know those two movies, but again, it's that very sort of gothic. I always reckon he should have been in a Tim Burton film. You know, like I feel like he would have yeah. fit in perfectly in Beetlejuice or Edward Scissorhands or you know those kind of films. But yes, was he the villain in Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh my, going crazy! Yes, yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, the dude in black who drops drops the tunes in the uh, uh, the acid or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he had a bit of a run. Yeah. yeah. But everyone's solid. Crispin Glover, apparently he's nuts, but he does a really good job in this film. Didn't he sue the filmmakers because they didn't uh, hire him for the second one, but they used his face prosthetics in the second film and put them on another actor? And so he was like, well, you're using my likeness and sued them in one or something. <laughs> Tell you, I've heard about this. I've never noticed they changed the actor at all. Maybe we should do that the following uh, so Back too. to the Future 2 and try and figure out if it is. It might be interesting. Uh, in the future, yeah. yeah. Apparently he's a bit of a wackadoodle dude. I saw in the making they had to build a little pen so he wouldn't walk outside of it because he kept walking away out of frame and things. Missing his marks. Yep. Yep. Apparently argued a lot, like, why would my character come into the cafe? Because he has to get a milkshake and be in the scene. Yeah. You're my you're my density. That's the line. Yeah. Yeah. But no good. Good again. Well cast actor for the role. Just kind of nerdy and uh, creepy at the same time. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Is it a little strange that the guy that tried to rape the mother, they keep around as the handyman. Yes. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And it's I think that me. can, no, that's not just you. That I mean, again, there's, there's enough adult tone that probably shouldn't be there. But in a kid's movie in the 80s, you could get away with it. It's kind of like in Gremlins when Phoebe Cates tells her Christmas story about her dad dying in the chimney. It's just, it probably shouldn't be in there, but it works, you know? It's, it's like when you're a kid, you know he's attacking the mother, but you're not exactly thinking, he's going to rape her. Like, that's not really right. on your mind. So it all yeah, kind yeah. of works. As an adult, you're sitting there going, hang on. <laughs> yep. This is, whoa. Oh, that yep. Biff, you got to watch him. He's a bit rapey. That's it. 
So what year was this? 85? Yeah. Rape wasn't really serious back then. You just sort of gave a few quaaludes to your secretary and no one really talked about it after that. Uh-huh. Yeah. You might have to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think like it is, it was just handled a little differently back then, wasn't it? Like it was, you could make a joke about these sorts of things and then today um, it all yeah, looks perhaps. a little different. I remember you talking yeah. about Greece. And there's a scene where they're all looking up girls' underwear and underneath the bleachers mm-hmm. and stuff. And back then, that was yep. that was a laugh. Yeah. Well, yeah. same thing in the in the uh, the Breakfast Club. You know, old Judd Nelson hides under the table, and there's that shot straight up the skirt, and couldn't get away with that sort of stuff now. No, no. But nothing here to. Oh. Our moral standards haven't slipped to the point where Back to the Future's offensive, I guess. Hey, it might happen. Just wait. <laughs> it's coming. As soon as somebody sees it, it's going to get cancelled. Michael J. Fox, cancelled. It's What would you, it, what would you pair pretty, it up with? Oh, pair it up with? Double feature? Double feature. What's going with Back to the Future? And it can't be Back to the Future 2. That's just uh, it's cheating. Um, yeah, I was, I was going to, what about Doc Hollywood? That's another Michael J. Fox film, eh? Yeah. A little double feature. I say it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a shame he. He got MS. Like he, you know, he was such a great actor. He seems like such a lovely dude. And um, MS. I thought he had Parkinson's. Oh, Parkinson's. I don't know. He's got one of those things. But <laughs> you know, he's a bit shaky. But oh man, wasn't he wonderful? And then he went on to TV and he did that um, that politics show. Uh, in City. Yeah. Marvelous in everything he did. Yeah, it was just a pity. I don't know. It's very sad. It's very sad. You're such a great talent. Oh, you is such a great talent. Yeah. I think I think he acted through his peak. And if he'd done anything more, we would have got sick of him. You know, like his peak acting days were mid 80s to geez, I'll give him the mid 90s. Then he did what the Frighteners in the late 90s with Peter Jackson. Great film. Again, he was still sort of Michael. And then he did a Spin City, did his TV show, and that was it. You know, he got diagnosed and sort of stepped away. I wonder if he hadn't been diagnosed, you know, what he'd be doing. He was kind of that was in a time when he'd gone from movies to TV and it wasn't a good thing. You know, it's not like now where you go into TV because there's you know, production values are just as good as movies. It was, yeah, you know, it's a career step down, I think. I think it um, was maybe the illness creeping in. Yeah, maybe. Slowed things down. Mm. <sighs> you know what I'd double feature it with? Yeah, Back to the Future, which on its own can be a, it can just be a one-off, you know, you could not have the sequel, even though there's the tag at the end. So it's a one-off Back to the Future. I'd pair it with, um, the last Starfighter, another '80s classic. Just you know, 
young boy goes on an adventure kind of thing. It's not time travel, but I think those two pair up pretty well, style-wise, or futuristic. Secret of my success. He had a few, he had a few hits in a row. He did. Yeah. Ah, no, I take Plus that back. Teen Wolf Dog. If it's going to be a mm. Michael J. Fox double feature. That was a big hit too, wasn't it? Huge. Big enough for a sequel with Jason Bateman. A reasonable hit. The guy was on fire. Family ties. On fire. Just unstoppable. Huey Lewis is even in this film looking cool. He is, but Huey Lewis's greatest film moment is uh, American Psycho, even though he's not in it. But his music is there and it makes it. Gosh. What if at the end of Back to the Future they played the Huey Lewis song instead of Johnny Be Good? And there was like um, baby Huey watching it, just taking it in. There it is. There it is. That would have made no sense, probably. But <laughs> None at all. Um, uh, yeah, good film. I'd uh, nine out of ten, easy. It's also got Iranian terrorists in it. I don't know if you can it get does. away with that today. Looking for plutonium. Plutonium, yeah. And, uh, yeah, was, Doc was going to sell them plutonium, but then he stiffed them and they came to kill him. That's right. Yeah. Do you think here's here's a question? It's more so in Back to the Future 2, but I guess it would work in Back to the Future 1 too. How many times do you think Marty died and Doc went back in time to save his life? That we you know, like know that. Yeah, so in the end of... Oh, no, that's the end of Back to the Future 2. Yeah, so, okay, we'll jump into the second one. If you can remember the end of that film, Marty's going through a tunnel on his hoverboard, right? And Biff is chasing him in the car. Yeah. Chasing him down the tunnel and Marty's trying to skate away. Right at the last minute, as he comes out of the tunnel, Doc drops a rope out of the flying DeLorean, which Marty grabs and he flies off up into the air and Biff drives into the back of a manure truck, right? It's a repeat of the joke from the first one. Yeah. How did Doc know to be there at that time? He I would must have, have to watch it again to <laughs> yeah, that's it. I reckon, I reckon, you know, you, you think about the reality of it, Marty must have been run over there and died. And Doc found out later he's got a time machine. He's gonna go back to the exact moment before Marty gets run over, drop him a rope, right? And so things like that, where Doc appears and saves Marty, happens quite a lot throughout the, mm-hmm. the timeline. That's worth looking into next time you watch it. Isn't it funny how George becomes the big hero, but he still lives in the same house, but he's just got slightly different furniture? Hey, it's it's just a change in timeline. Maybe you're always destined to live in the same house. And he's got a rapist waxing the car. Hey. Keep your friends close and your enemies even closer. Right. Yeah. Another kind of little interesting thing I noticed about this is um, Marty 
doesn't have a character arc. Normally, your the hero of your story has a character arc. In this case, the character arc belongs to George McFly. So technically, it kind of makes George the protagonist of the story and Marty the psychic character helping George upon his way on his character arc. Yeah, so you're looking at the you're looking at everything from the sidekick's perspective. I guess that's yeah. true. But if you look at the in the opening, Marty is he's a bit of a failure. He's trying to get into the battle of the bands with his guitar. He plays poorly. It doesn't work. And then by the end, he's jamming that shit and being successful. So he does develop, but it's not the hero's arc. No, he has kind of frivolous things like the truck he always wanted just ends up in the garage at the end of the movie. Yeah. Black truck. It's kind of like he's achieved as a character arc, except he doesn't have one. Sort of that's sort of pasted in there to make it look like he's achieved his goal and he's got the girl. But he always always had the girl. And he but probably wasn't that the serious film, about the truck. The film or the story doesn't work without him in it. He is integral to the success yeah. of himself. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, well, uh, like I say, normally the hero has the character act, but this is more like an episode of MacGyver or the A-Team, those shows where mm. the heroes turn up, they help other people, and then the, the, the alcoholic stops drinking, and it's all thanks to the A-Team. If they help other people on the way on their character arcs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, George, George McFly does power this movie. It's all about him and his personal growth and change. Well, yeah. is it what? Because, no, that's right. Marty gets sent back there accidentally while he's running away from the terrorists. That's right. So it's not like, Marty intentionally went back. No. And he bumps the father himself. out of the way of the car. That's right. Yeah. So he so he sort of creates the problem as well as the solution. That's awesome. Yeah. DVH Solid pass. writing. They get the idea to name their kid after their kid who just helped them. Yeah, you think? So let's say they're in high school, they're 18. Do you remember people that you met when you were 18? Nah. <laughs> Probably a couple. Like you'd, you'd think, okay, we're going to name our kid Marty after this Marty. Surely they, as Marty grew older, like this guy looks familiar. <laughs> you know? You'd recognize somebody, you know? Hang on. Did they know him as Marty or did they know him as Calvin Klein? No, they know him as Marty. Because she thinks he's Calvin Klein because of his underwear for a bit. That's right. Oh, you know, no, he's like, um, she's calling him Calvin. And then as he says goodbye, it's like, call me Marty or something. And she's like, Marty, what a nice name. And then they go back into the dance. Mm. It would have been interesting if George McFly wrote Star Wars at the end of the movie because mm. like, he comes in and goes, I am Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe I'm sure has... in, in an old script that would have happened. 
yeah. in one of the rewrites. Uh, I was watching a thing and they said in the original script, Marty and Doc had a videotape business where they were pirating video cassettes and selling them. And Marty was more of a badass character who was staring down teachers like, screw you, and they were backing off. Mm-hmm. And, and apparently they needed a nuclear explosion to power the DeLorean. And so there was like a whole nuclear plant at the end and the bomb was being dropped and they had to like link up the DeLorean to that to get, ah, and that was back when it was a fridge as well, not a DeLorean. That's right. I do remember that. It was a fridge. Yeah. But yes, classic movie, great film. Would recommend it to anybody. 18 out of 19. 18 out of 19. Yeah. It's got Mm. all the feel goods, doesn't it? It's all the beats. Yeah, good soundtrack. You can watch it anytime. It's very rewatchable. It's a classic movie. If it's not perfect, like what is? <laughs> yeah, I give it a five. Damn out of right. Five. Champion, cool. go go and watch it, people. Thanks for listening to Pointless and Confused. We believe there's a little thing where you can send a tip if you yep. want. We have yeah, no idea us. how it works. We need cash. Yeah. For whores. And Vegemite. Yeah. And what Good day. No. Oh, I've got right. to tell them the other thing. Oh, what was the other thing? Subscription. Um, oh, look, you could you could subscribe if you want to, if you want to hear the sound of our sweet, sweet voices in your ear. Whenever a new episode drops, you'll be the first to know. Yeah, we're not sure how you do that either, but you'll figure it uh, out. We're new to this. Come on, you guys.